I got to start the show off by acknowledging the loss of a legend last night in Bill Russell. Now, we call Bill Russell a champion for what he did on the basketball court, and champion he was. But when you look up the definition of the word champion, after you acknowledge traversing over your rivals, you find another definition, a definition which simply says, talking about moving and helping others fight along different challenges. A person who fights or argues for a cause on behalf of others. See, Bill Russell wasn't just a champion on the court. Bill Russell was a champion because of what he did off the court as well. In 1961, when his teammates were refused service in Kentucky, Bill Russell led a boycott and he chose not to play because of the service refused to his two black teammates. No black players played in that game. In 1963, Bill Russell was on the March on Washington where Martin Luther King gave his famous I have a dream speech. They asked Bill Russell to speak, but he said, no, I'm not worthy of, of speaking on that podium. What else happened in 1963 was where Bill Russell led an integrated basketball camp in Jackson, Mississippi. Keep in mind, Jackson, Mississippi was not integrated until 1970. Bill Russell truly ahead of his time. See, by 1964, Bill Russell took his championing not just in civil rights, but also on the basketball court. He was a part of the first all-black starting lineup in the NBA. And as it stands now, roughly 80% of NBA players are black. Fast forward to 1967 in the height of social unrest, in the height of athletic unrest, when Muhammad Ali had his title stripped from him because he opposed the Vietnam War. Bill Russell, Lou Alcindor, Jim Brown, they all stood by Muhammad Ali and tried to stand with Muhammad Ali. See, Bill Russell was a champion, not just on the court, not just because of 11 rings in 13 years, but Bill Russell was truly a champion because he helped champion so many other individuals. Bill Russell, not only did he pave the way, but he led the way. And I recall the words of Jalen Brown, all-star Boston Celtic, who recently said, Bill Russell, because of you, kids that look like you, believe that they can win. Bill Russell, because of you, there is a standard for being a human being. And because of you, it's okay to be more than just a basketball player. Bill Russell, because of you, so many individuals have realized it's not just about what you do on the court for the life that you lived. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Emmanuel Acho, and I got to bring in my co-host, NBA analyst, Slick Rick Buecher. My guy, NFL insider Joy Taylor. We got some huge NFL news earlier today, bright and early this morning. Finally, the levy on Deshaun Watson has been laid down. A six-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Now, this was following accusations of sexual misconduct. A disciplinary officer made the ruling, but felt there was not enough evidence to justify an indefinite suspension. Now, Joy, I have to come to you first because I know how passionate you have been on this topic. I've heard your takes on the herd, but now how are you feeling? Oh, well, how am I feeling? I'm feeling a lot of things. I've been mentally and emotionally preparing to do this segment for a while now. We've all known this was on the radar and coming down. So this is one of those topics where when you know it's coming, you start preparing your thoughts. But then when you actually get the news and how much of a punishment it is, then your reaction is a bit different. Mm. Um, I want to start by saying to the women, to the human beings involved in this situation, to the 25 women who sued Deshaun, to the women he settled with, to the women who have been triggered by this story, who are abuse survivors like myself, to the many women that I have talked to off the record 
who are afraid to give their opinion publicly about this because of backlash, because of Twitter um, or other consequences. And to anyone who's been re-traumatized from the stories and the overall lack of empathy and dismissive reaction surrounding the story, I see you, I hear you, you have value, I feel you. So I just want to start by saying that. So did they get this right? They did not. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. Am I outraged? I don't know that I can go to outrage because I think after 35 years on this earth, I grow a bit of callous to uh, the expectation that the right thing will be done. And we will get into the details of how they came to this conclusion. But let's just look at the facts really quickly. So Sue Robinson is the independent arbiter that was agreed on between the NFL and the NFL Players Association and the CBA to decide the amount of punishment for these situations. As we know, the league has gotten a lot of backlash over the years for being too lenient and too light. Six games seems to have some bit of precedent when you consider Ezekiel Elliott and Ben Roethlisberger, but I would argue, as I've argued from the beginning, which is why I felt like it should have been at least a year, that there is no precedent for this type of situation when you consider the number of people involved in the situation. Obviously, by people, I mean women. I want to reiterate, these are human beings that we're talking about. When we have these conversations, I have people women who were involved, and really 25 is an arbitrary number when you talk about how many people are actually involved in the situation, but for the sake of argument, we'll stick to 25. Four were involved in the case that Sue Robinson looked over. Here is my issue with the number of games. And again, I'm actually considering the expectations that I had for it. I I was pleasantly surprised because I thought it was going to be much less the way that this was developing. There's no precedent for it. And the specific things that she outlines in her report is what's troubling to me when you talk about the number of games. So Deshaun Watson's camp came out from the beginning and said they would agree to whatever Sue Robinson put forward, that the NFLPA would not fight it. They would accept it. Now, I think that is a bit strategic on the NFLPA's part because they do want to set the precedent that this independent judge that we have agreed on will set forth these punishments and we will abide by them. We don't want the NFL stepping in and adding more games. So we're going to come forward ahead of it and agree to it. However, there's been this constant drumbeat from Deshaun Watson's camp of of innocence and there is no regrets and I'm going to defend my innocence. Well, you settled quite a bit of cases after saying adamantly you were going to settle no cases because you were going to prove your innocence. We all know how this goes in civil cases, but I wouldn't have gone as far to say I'm not going to settle because I'm innocent and then settle 20 cases while also still saying I'm innocent. But what she said is what's the most egregious to me. And egregious is a specific word because she mentioned it. She says Deshaun Watson's behavior, pattern of behavior was egregious. And that behavior was nonviolent sexual conduct. What does that mean? That means non-consensual sexual conduct, but not violence. Now, we've all read the stories of what allegedly happened in these situations. That's sexual misconduct. Just because you don't physically cause a woman physical harm does not mean that you are not performing sexual misconduct. We, I can't, I'm not going to say on air what we know what was alleged in these situations. How is that appropriate? It's well beyond the scope of appropriate. So it was not consensual. Just because it's nonviolent does not mean that it was consensual. In her own words, she is saying, In these four cases that were presented to me, there was egregious behavior that was non-consensual sexual misconduct. 
How do you land on six games? Just by, by the precedent alone with Ben Roethlisberger and Ezekiel Elliott, you're twice that because you looked at four cases. So the other thing that I think is insane is that he has to get all of his massages from club personnel. I mean, how, how you slip that line in and then demands that you are innocent or that there was no kind of misconduct here. Ten about, you know, how the patriarchy defends men and is designed to marginalize women. But I've been a woman for 35 years on this earth and sorry to be surprised anymore. Um, well, one, thank you for that. I think this is going to be a very impassioned conversation. Um, did they get the Deshaun Watson ruling right? Um, I will go as far as to say I believe that they did because a judge looked at the cases, a judge who was a woman, a Judge Robinson, um, two district attorneys in two different jurisdictions um, that were women brought these cases before the grand jury. And after the two district attorneys, which have 20 plus years each of uh, work in, in, in sex crimes, and the judge brought this before us. The judge saw fit that it was six games. To Joy's point, um, the judge said that there is no real precedent to uh, levy a suspension uh, for the duration of a season. But the judge was like, there's no precedent, as the NFL was saying, because we haven't seen anything this egregious. Um, I think that the reason I will not combat the ruling is who am I serving by continuing to combat the ruling? I no longer believe that I am serving the women by trying to fight the ruling. Uh, given that 20 of the 24 women have settled with the Sean's camp and 30 women have actually settled with the Houston Texans. So I no longer believe that I'm serving the women by trying to continue to rehash and rehash and rehash this. And then obviously nobody is necessarily thinking of Deshaun right now, but I don't think it's serving Deshaun, the other party involved by continuing to rehash this. So now I'm saying to myself, I'm being arrogant at best and ignorant at worst by saying that I know more based upon what I have read on different uh, blogs and the internet and Instagram and Twitter and the different cases um, compared to what the judge has read, hundreds if not thousands of testimonies, word-for-word uh, -word testimonies, talking to people, etc. I think that this is a subjective ruling, meaning it's subject to our opinion. Slick's going to have a different opinion than me. I'm going to have a different opinion than Dave. Dave's going to have a different opinion than Joy. I think that it is a subjective ruling. I do not think that there was going to be a ruling where everybody is happy. But I do think that you come out here with six games with no precedent being set, and you say, look, if we were to suspend him for a season, what is the ground for suspending him for a season besides the number of accusations? So I don't have a problem with the ruling, but the reason I don't have a problem with the ruling is because those with much more experience than I, those much wiser than I, and those that actually get paid with historical practice with over ha or nearly half a century of experience in sex crimes, along with the judge, have landed upon this ruling. Dave, I see you're chomping at the bit to speak where you're... I, I mean, like, what, can't you just appeal to some sort of sense of justice? And the important thing for me is, like, this isn't a criminal trial. You know, you don't have to prove beyond a, a shadow of a doubt, get a jury of your peers to, to agree with you like you do in the legal system. This isn't that. This is the NFL. It's a little bit of a different standard for me. Sean Watson is one of the most visible quarterbacks in the NFL. 30 people have accused him of this. And that's, I'm not a lawyer. I've never been to law school. I'm definitely not a judge. But like, why, like, why did they only look at five? Why, why, why can't you look at 24 or 30 of these? Like, I've looked through this stuff over the course of the offseason. And at some point you start to be like, that's the same. 
that's the same. Yeah. That's the same. He had the same, like the same thing happened in all of these. And again, this isn't a court of law. This is just the NFL. Well, it's not the NFL making this ruling. It's Sue Robinson. But again, you're looking at it saying, do we have enough to, to come away with the suspension? And that's the weird thing for me. Emmanuel, you were with me in Dallas in 2017 when Ezekiel Elliott went through this. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's a completely separate issue from the legal system. There is no precedent for this. Ezekiel Elliott, and I, I'm not interested in exonerating that whole issue from five, six years ago or, or really talking about him, but he had one person. There was one person, his word against her word. He got six games. Why are you using that as a precedent for something that is completely different? Like so many more people involved, so much more egregious. And Joy, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that because like the idea that because it's nonviolent means it's not an issue is absurd. Sean Watson's a professional football player. Like, look how much bigger you are than the rest of us, man. Like, somebody like intimidation, coercion, all of that stuff matters in this context. So I absolutely don't think it's enough. I don't think they got it right. And I don't think, you you know, the, the same parameters that go into the legal system don't apply here. It's basically, should the face of an NFL franchise be able to do something like this and only get six games for it? And I think the answer is no. Slick, what are you saying? I agree with you, uh, Acho, in that... I haven't done enough study, and it's it would I just it feels wrong to me to say they got it wrong when I haven't done as much research and investigation as the the arbitrator has in this instance. But they did get it wrong because we are judging this based on the punishment. We are confusing punishment with solution. There was no way that they were going to get this right if it was just a matter of how many games is he going to miss. Because as all of you referenced, like this wasn't just one incident. This was serial. And the Houston Texans, we all here know how attentive NFL teams, professional sports teams are to their athletes, how much they're aware of what's going on with them and they keep tabs on them in a variety of ways. You're telling me that the Houston Texans weren't aware of this behavior with Deshaun Watson. So to have one line in there that says, okay, from now on, your massages have to be by club personnel, as if that is the solution. How crazy is that? Yes. But to me, it's we're all defining this in the wrong way. We're not thinking about it in terms of what's the real inherent problem here that needs to be addressed whether it's by the NFL or whether it's the Players Association, how do we demonstrate that what Deshaun Watson did is not acceptable? That is incorrect behavior and set that as the tone. To me, it's not a matter of we got six, like finding that number that makes it right. I think that's for everybody else to feel like, oh, we've addressed the issue. Now we can move on. It's not a it's a punishment. It's not a solution. So whether it was a year or whether it's six games or where there was none, that to me is not the answer. I don't think, though, that you can find a solution to such egregious behavior, meaning nobody knew ahead of time that we should probably find a solution for somebody to um, find serial massage therapists and put them in compromising positions and at a minimum make them feel uncomfortable. Like you do not know what you have to police until certain laws are broken. And I think the, the issue at hand now is, well, now that you know you have to police it, it is time to police it. Where I think I struggle with joy, and, and you and I have had countless conversations around this very topic offline. Now, online is this. There's a court of public opinion, Dave, and then there's the actual court of law. 
Court of law, you are innocent until proven guilty. Court of mm -hmm. law, the accuser must prove that the accused committed the crime. Mm -hmm. Court of public opinion, you are guilty until proven innocent. The accused must prove that the accuser is lying. There's a court of law and there's the court of Twitter. Many people are very comfortable on the court of Twitter saying, well, Deshaun Watson, you are guilty based upon the number. Mm -hmm. But the court of laws we've obviously talked about, first off, the criminal court, but we know how high a threshold that is to prove, particularly when you're talking about instances where nobody is there except the two people in question. The criminal court cannot be proven. Within the grand jury, obviously, there was the issue of probable cause. You have to find probable cause. Deshaun Watson, you got an issue. Either you settle the cases or you continue to try to let things play out. And finally, now he's realized to settle it civilly. I think, Joy, the rub for me comes with, are we the court of public opinion, the court of Twitter, trying to impose the, 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 the legacy, the, the laws, rather, within our court? Mm. onto the actual court of the judicial system. Well, I would argue adamantly, and I think most women would agree, that when it comes to he, shed, he said, she said, she is automatically the liar. I have almost never seen a case like this as of recent come out and the woman is supported. There's a reason why people don't come forward. There's a reason why women don't want their names on these situations. There's a reason why people don't, these women don't feel comfortable saying this is what he did to me. This is what this powerful man did to me because they know what the reaction is going to be. So I would argue the complete opposite in these situations. Yes, in most cases, that's how the court of law and the court of public opinion goes. But with sexual assault, sexual misconduct, with, with rape, with sexual harassment, it is almost automatic that it, the reactions you're going to get, particularly in the sports space, mm -hmm. is that she's lying. Mm. She's suing, so it must just be for money. Mm. Or she wanted it. She wanted to be around a professional athlete. She wanted this opportunity. Something happens, and now she's bitter about it. I almost never see the reaction that she's telling the truth. That's the initial reaction. Almost never. So in these situations, I would argue the opposite, which is why it is so hard and terrifying for people to even give their opinion about it. I'm telling you, I've had countless conversations with women who have very strong opinions about this, who are just afraid to even say it, just say what most men in the, in the media will go out and say because they don't want to hear the reaction from fans, from other media members, from people who have whatever agenda they have about this particular topic. And when we say the number of people, we can't just say it like it's he said, she said. The number matters mm. in this situation. If 25 people come to you and tell you something and you're still like, no, my hair is awesome today. It's maybe not. Like, maybe you have a piece sticking out. Maybe after the amount of times that we have been told this has happened, we have to consider that the volume does matter. So how many games would have, do you think, would suffice in this? How many games of us? So to Rick's point, it is really an arbitrary thing. I, I am not outraged at the number of games. I think it is light. I'm not outraged by it. I'm glad that there was some level of suspension and consequence for it. However, the numbers I do think matter. There, is there a number that matters? No. To Dave's point, the NFL is not the court of law. It is not even the court of public opinion. If you are a, a face of an or a billion dollar organization as powerful as the NFL, I do feel the NFL has a responsibility to say, this is not the type of conduct that is becoming of someone who represents our company, which is what the NFL is. And I understand that they, this is how they set it up. 
one person making this decision, just like I didn't agree that Roger Goodell should be the only person making this decision. I think it should be a panel of people that is diverse and rotated every couple of years to avoid bias. And it should be more than one person giving out this decision. The number, I really think, is arbitrary. It's more about the message that is sent. Dave, where do you stand? Do you think, so you think the message was too light, or how many games would have sufficed? I don't think, in a situation like this, and again, Joy's dead on, like, and not saying it's right, you should believe women even if it's a 1v1, but in this case, it's, it's 30 people. You know, that, that, that's what I just keep going back to. Mm. And so to do that and then still have the Browns be able to sit there and look at the schedule and say, like, okay, like, you know, we'll, we'll probably be trading wins and losses, but we get Deshaun back in October, whenever it is. Like, I, no, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't sit with me. I, I mean, a, a, year, a year's a start, and, and that's, that, that's how I feel about it. So, like, final thought, how many games? It's indefinite, and it's indefinite until Deshaun Watson demonstrates to an arbitrator or a therapist or whatever you want that he understands that what he did was wrong and that he takes responsibility for it and that he proves that, this isn't going to happen going forward. That the pers- whatever perspective he has on women or massage therapists or whatever it is that led him to behave this way, to Joy's point, like the fact that there hasn't been any culpability at this point, like he walks away thinking, I got caught as opposed to, I need to change. To me, that's at the heart of why the punishment in and of itself and the number of the games just becomes really resolves the issue. Incredible insight, incredible opinions. A lot more where that came from coming up later in the show. But first, got to talk about the Cowboys as we transition because they are worth more than any other franchise. But we'll tell you if their owner, Jerry Jones, is more of a blessing or a curse. However, Kyler Murray? I know y'all been watching what's been going on there. The independent study clause in his contract caused a whole bunch of negative publicity. We'll tell you who looks worse. Is it the Arizona Cardinals? Or that star quarterback, Kyler Murray. That's next. Speak for yourself. Don't go anywhere. Golly, Cardinals rewarded Kyler Murray with a huge deal, but it said he was required to study game material for four hours, just four hours, y'all, per week on his own, or it could default the deal. The clause received a whole bunch of backlash, and Kyler even said it was laughable that people did not think he prepares for games. Hall of Famer Warren Moon weighed in and said, quote, very embarrassing for Kyler and the Cardinals. Got to go to NFL insider Dave Hellman first. What are your thoughts? Who looks worse, the Cardinals or Kyler? I want to be clear. Nobody looks good. This is is ridiculous. But it's got to be the Arizona Cardinals. Like, they look so silly. It's one thing. Okay, put the clause in the contract. To take it back four days later. And look, I cover the Dallas Cowboys. This is... This is nothing for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, if this happened, it would be a three-day news cycle for the Cowboys. We'd be past it. Everybody would be great by Friday. The Cardinals sat there for three days and were like, we got to do something about this. We look ridiculous. And you know what it reminds me of? I don't have kids. But it reminds me of, like, you know, your kid's acting up. You take, oh, my God, I'm the one that has to watch them now. Like, I can't just (laughs) let them turn on the TV and not worry about it. And they immediately, it was important enough that they put it into a $200 million contract. Hmm. And then, like, three days later, they're like, you know what, man? Do you. Like, you're fine. Like, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. They look so stupid right now. They do look bad. Absolutely. I agree with you on that one, Dave. But Kyler looks worse. Um, and it's very simple. If you have to put, let me start here, four hours <laughs> a week is 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to do the math off time. It's a lot of hours in a week, and you only got to study for four per the contract. But here's what I know about NFL contracts. If I'm putting it in your contract, that means there's a reason I put it in. How bad, how little must Kyler Murray be studying weekly for the Cardinals to feel obligated to say, hey, big dog, I just need you to study for four. Like, please, not 14, not 40, just four. To put that in the contract says, wait a second, we got questions with your study habits. See, you don't put something in the contract that doesn't need to be put in the contract. Clearly, it needs to be put in the contract for Kyler Murray to study at minimum four hours. But get this, Dave, and this is why I disagree with your initial thought process. Kyler signed the contract. Mm. So for <laughs> Kyler to sign the contract, that means, you know what? Y'all not tripping. Y'all, y'all got me. Y'all got me. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I need to start studying more. You're right. You got me. Kyler signed the contract, and what's the nail in the coffin of Kyler Murray looking bad is that social media had to come to his rescue. Everything was good. Cardinals were good with the contract, Joy. Kyler signed it. He was good with the contract, but then social media wasn't good with the contract, and now the Cardinals felt the need to rescind it. Kyler Murray, to me, looks terrible. Cardinals look bad, too, but that all-star quarterback, he looks bad. No, the Cardinals look worse. We've been talking about Kyler, the right guy, if it was the right time, is he the future, blah, 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 blah. They've been better every single year since he's got there. And they put this in the contract. Of course it's going to become public. All of these contract details become public. You're the one that gave him $230 million. You're the one that gave him the contract. This is a handshake deal. This does not get put in writing. We've all signed contracts. There's just certain stuff that you're like, look, here's the deal. But, like, here's the side deal. Now, it's not in writing, but you know what happens if you don't honor this part of the deal. That's, that happens, especially when you get into numbers like this. There was no need for this to ever be in the contract. I'm with you. Social media, the reaction, the public reaction probably did push this a bit. But I also think it's fair. And Kyler Murray's defense makes absolute sense. Think of what Kyler Murray has accomplished oh, in his short on, amount Troy. of time playing football. Oh, don't give me that. No, 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 no. I am going to give you that. I am going to give you that. He's quite good. Quite good. Right? A little bit. The be- the a best, 30 million good? The best, the best quarterback in Texas football history, right? Heisman Trophy winner. High school, winner. Texas. High school, yep, yep, high school yes. Best high school quarterback. In, they've had a few. Beat Texas a few, few quarterbacks, you know. Watch your back. Ooh, ooh. Thank you for that. Thank you for that assist. Good to have you, Dave. Heisman Trophy winner. Rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the sure. year. Number one overall pick. Absolutely. And he was drafted in baseball. No question. So what you're telling me is he did all of that mm-hmm. without studying? Now he's got to study? Oh, y'all done. Y'all might as well just turn. You might as well quit. It's not. And the league is over. It's he's not, that good and he's not studying? Here's the thing. It's not what I'm telling you. It's what Kyler told you. You read the New York Times right, piece to be, to be clear, from December. To be yeah. clear. To be clear. Something's funny with this whole thing. From the moment that this became public, I, I felt like something was funny with it. Can I read the Go piece? Go ahead. Oh, please. Kyler Murray. Quote in New York Times, Joy Taylor, I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that has to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours or four and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I just see so much. Right. Never heard Peyton Manning say that. No, that's what, never heard Tom no, Brady no, no, say no, that. No, 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 no. Tell no, me no, never no, heard Aaron no, Rodgers no. say I'm that. I'm glad you just mentioned three I white quarterbacks, by the way. I never did. I'm glad. Ooh. I'm glad you just, just mentioned three white quarterbacks mm. because that is the under, that's another Mahomes underlying thing why Warren Moon said what he said. 
The problem is that if we're going to get to that. Study, yeah, let's not jump ahead. In the I show. know, but that, but that's why Warren felt, and he's right. That's why everyone looks bad in this situation. If he is doing all of this, not studying enough, and I'm with you, he signed the contract, and the Cardinals put it in there and took it out. Y'all done. It's a wrap for the whole league because he did all of that, not studying. Look, where you at? The Cardinals, ba- the Cardinals look bad because they backed down. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there was a reason that they put it in the contract and why, to answer the question, why I think Kyler looks worse. Because when we walk away from this, we look at the Arizona Cardinals as maybe having a, well, basically having cow toed to their quarterback. He doesn't want it in there. It makes him look bad. And you know what? By association, it makes us look bad because now we're advertising that our guy does not do his job to the utmost. That's what we're advertising and we're paying him $230 million. So you know what? Let's try to clean this up. Let's find some other way to get him to study more than he does. Because Mm -hmm. quite clearly, they wouldn't put it in the contract if they were content with what he's been able to do, doing it his way. And by the way, that's the other problem, is that the way they do things to change the way that he's operating. He's going, it's got me this far. Why should I change? In spite of the fact that for all those things that you listed were prior to joining the, the Arizona Cardinals, mm. he has been Not good. Not offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, okay, he's been good. He hasn't been great. And he hasn't been $230 million great. This is betting on him continuing to improve. How do we hope he's going to improve? It's by doing more study. So ultimately, we walk away from this and looking at the Arizona Cardinals and saying, you know what? They back down. But we look at Kyler Murray and we go, oh, this guy doesn't take his job seriously. Mm. Now I ask you, which one is more damning? I know which one is more damning to me. I think the ones the, the billionaire signing the hundred million dollar check is worse. But, but, I but Kyler signed crazy. it and he either okayed it or he didn't know it was in there. See, that's this is your contract. I can't funny. defend something's, you on either some, one of something's those. Something's funny. I don't read every every line in my contract. That's what we, we have. Probably start. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what it means <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know what it means anyway. I do have a question though. Uh-oh. How are you enforcing this? Is it like, is he on like Microsoft Teams? No. And you so, gotta like have your camera yeah, they, on? They can track they can your track surface. It. They yeah. can track you. They're tracking how much, oh, yeah. like you can physically see him watching They can this? see when you log on to the app to watch game tape, they can see that you're logged on. And if you're inactive for a certain amount of time, it'll log you out. So they can track you. Here's what's so fast. Go ahead, go ahead. I, go ahead. I, I got my retort for you all already, dude. Like, so just, just imagine this. Like, what if Fox was about to give you the bag <laughs> to the tune of 160 million? <laughs> And the contract says you have to spend four hours in the gym a week. Okay. You probably do that. You did that today, probably. Sure. Are you going to be like, this impugns my dignity. I work out all the time. Or or are you going to be like, bet, I'll hit that by Tuesday. Sure. And sign away. Agreed. Kyler Murray might, and and I've never met Kyler Murray. I have no idea. But I'm just saying, like, he might have just been completely unbothered by that clause and been like, of course, give me the money. Okay, let's let's go go here. Um, Here's what. Fox wouldn't have a stipulation for if I were to sign a deal. Working out. Because that's what I do. They wouldn't have a stipulation for wearing tight suits. Because that's what I do. What they would have a stipulation for is something that I don't inherently and do. That is okay, why. That's where Kyler Murray's at Respectfully, fault. wearing tight suits and working out are not a part of your job description. No. I do I neither. <laughs> Moderate workouts. Walking if it counts. So that, that's the other pushback. I, I'm with you. I want to know why this, really why Which, this and, was put well, in. No, and because, for the because, record. Because that, that is entirely possible. And yes, if it is some arbitrary clause in a contract that I'm, I'm going to sign for $130 million, $230 million too. But here's I'm, the thing. I'm, like, I'm going to pick my battles on that. 
Well, here's what I don't get, Slick. What I don't get about these two beautiful and brilliant minds sitting to my right and to my left is this. It's right in front of our eyes. Yeah. They put it in the contract because it was imperative to put into the contract. Uh, 2000, was it 17, maybe 16, the Dez rules. It may have been earlier. Obviously, you've been covering the Cowboy for nearly that a was, decade. That was a ways back. That was like 10, been, 11. Yeah. Great. So the Dez rules. Essentially, Dez Bryant had come into so many off-the-field issues that he had to go into a separate agreement within a representative of the Cowboys that simply said, hey, big dog, if you are out past a certain time, if you go to a certain club, if you do X, Y, and Z, then your contract is going to, to some degree, be altered because we had a separate contract for you because you had Dez rules. Who didn't have those rules? I don't know. You could say DeMarco Murray. There were no DeMarco Murray rules. Right. There were no Jason Witten rules. There were Dez rules because Dez needed rules because right. at that time you have issues or, or con clauses in a contract because you need them. Deshaun Jackson doesn't have a contract that says you have to be under a certain weight because he liked. But you know who does? A player that's overweight. Correct. So, Joy, for you to ask the question, why is it in the contract? Because it's necessary, right. Slick. Yeah, I, look, it's not an arbitrary thing. Why, did, why does Kyler Murray have that in his contract? And we know of no other quarterback who does. Why is that? Mm -hmm. why it, uh, because Zion Williamson has a, a weight clause. And, and I'm Preach. sure that he signed it, which he did. Mm -hmm, he did. Zion Williamson signed it, thinking... That's a big bag. And oh, I can do that. I'll, I'll do that. But we're starting at the beginning, which is why is it there in the first place? Because Zion Williamson hasn't been able to do that. So let's incentivize him to at least do this. There's no reason to put it in the contract unless it's something that you want him to do. And that's why the Cardinals look worse, in my opinion. Because I agree with you, Rick. Like, he has not earned that size of a contract, Thank in my you. opinion. Yeah, he's, he's not a slam dunk. To some degree, you just you have to pay a quarterback. I get it. But he's not the slam dunk that some other quarterbacks are. The Cardinals hold the leverage in that regard. In my opinion, you say, agree to these things in the contract, or we'll franchise tag you mm -hmm. and make you really earn this thing. And they, they, they just completely went back on it in the span of 72 hours. They're like, oh, I didn't mean to make you upset. We're so sorry. Please, we'll take it out if it makes you happy. Like, that is but, so Okay, weak. but they're not the first NFL team to back down. They're not the first NFL team to have a star player and say, okay, let us massage this because we're making ourselves look bad at the same time. Here's what I find most fascinating is this. The fact that the Cardinals said they have redacted it from the contract, but did Kyler go back and re-sign? Because as we all know, what's in the contract that you sign is binding. So I don't care about the Cardinals saying we took it out the oh, contract. That's a good point. Did it actually come out the contract? We're just going to overlook it now. Yeah. But I'll end kind of with this anecdotal note. When I was in Philly, one of my, my closest friends on the squad, Michael Kendricks, beast of a linebacker, but he liked to have a good time. Beast of a linebacker, though. I vividly recall he rushed into the linebacker meeting room one day and he was like, bro, you won't believe this. I said, what? He said, Chip Kelly, our head coach at the time, made me write a paper on why I love football. He didn't make me write the paper. Didn't make D'Amico Ryans write the paper. Didn't make uh, Casey Matthews write the paper. But the linebacker who liked to have the most fun publicly out of all of us had to write the paper about why he loved the game of football. If your coach is asking you to do something, it's probably because he has doubts about whether you're going to do it if he doesn't ask. Coming up. A lot more on Deshaun Watson. In case y'all have not heard, six game suspension. We got to tell y'all how the Browns should feel about that suspension. Next, speak for yourself. Don't go anywhere.
Let's get back to the huge news in Cleveland. Reports say Deshaun Watson will serve a six-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. A disciplinary officer made the ruling, but felt there was not enough evidence to justify an indefinite suspension. So now, where do the Cleveland Browns stand? How must the Cleveland Browns feel? If I'm a part of the Cleveland Browns organization, I feel great. Six games, paying Deshaun Watson a million dollars. So you're going to lose him for the first six games, but if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, who do you face in the first six games? A quarterback that was discarded by his old team in Baker Mayfield. A quarterback that really struggled as a rookie in Zach Wilson. A quarterback that was discarded Then you face Justin Herbert and you end by facing Mac Jones. Then by week seven, Deshaun Watson is back. So if you are a part of the Cleveland Browns organization, you have two thoughts. One, we might be able to start four and two or three and three by the time Deshaun Watson comes back in two Oh, we bet right by getting rid of Baker Mayfield. I think the Cleveland Browns probably feel very content given the ruling. Slick, where do you stand? Yeah, as far as games are concerned, they have to feel relieved and elated from based on what they were expecting. Best case scenario was six games, and worst case scenario was he was going to be out for the season. So they got the best case scenario when it comes to that, and different than having to survive six games with him. And it's not even six games because this now means that Deshaun can be in training camp and he essentially only misses three weeks of practice. He can start practicing with the team halfway through the suspension. So all of that is good. But I hope they do not advertise that they are relieved and elated that it went this way. I would hope that it is subdued, and that they are mindful of who they've hitched their wagon to, Mm -hmm. not just as a quarterback on the field, but everything that has transpired. Because I dare say they weren't aware of all of this and where it took them when they first engaged in signing him. You're you're doubtful about that. Signing Deshaun Watson to to, to the contract. They weren't completely aware of what they were getting into. Boy. I I hope that's not the case. But in any case, knowing what they know now and what they've been through, I would hope that they approach this in a very sober way to say, we have some work to do. So let's not just focus entirely on what Deshaun Watson does for us as a football player. Yeah, I, I can't keep track of the amount of cases, but I do believe when they signed him to $230 million, I think it was at 20. I don't remember what the, again. Okay. The numbers have flown around. But 20, 25, 30, 56. Well, 30 is what we know of. Correct. To be clear, the Browns get exactly zero benefit of the doubt from me. They are the most dysfunctional organization in the NFL and continue to level up with that <laughs> every single year. They never cease to impress with the complete lack of awareness as an organization Entirely. So while I would hope that this wouldn't expectations yeah, high, that's fair. They signed up for exactly what they got, and they should be over the moon that it is six games. Why? One, because the Sean Watson's camp came out very loudly in, in the NFLPA and said they were not going to fight her ruling. Now the NFL still has three days to decide Roger Goodell if he wants to add games to this. I do not believe it, dude. <laughs> right? Yes. So strategically, that would make sense. Uh, again, my expectations are. Uh, Right. Uh, at the floor. At the floor. Can only go up. Uh, so the NFL can add games to this. I don't believe that they will. I do believe that Roger Goodell is going to set a precedent for what the independent 
judge decides, Sue Robinson, uh, she, she's not serving as a judge in this role, but what she decides they will go with, I believe. So if it does end up being six games, we're operating for this conversation's sake on six games. This is an amazing scenario. Eight games, the season is essentially lost. Anything less, the NFL probably would have come in with a much more extreme mm-hmm. addition to the punishment. So six games, you go three and three, Carolina, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots. You could very easily go three and three with the rest of this roster. Jacoby Brissett is a completely serviceable backup. If you have a backup, you expect them to win essentially half the games that they have to serve in. That is completely reasonable. This is still a very talented roster with additions this year. Just the best case scenario for the Browns. It's and that like I said it in the top of the show, like it's it's gross. And that's I mean, because this worked out perfectly from a cynically, just as bare bones, cynical football as you can get. The Browns kind of played this to perfection. And I'm not saying that with admiration in my voice, but they paid him a million dollars in the first year of his deal. They're going to pay him three hundred thousand, give or take, to, to sit and wait. Y'all mentioned the teams like this. This is one of the best overall. They got that offensive line like they can do this. They can maybe have a winning record when he comes back and they're not going to have to pay that much for it. And then and we in the media are going to be complicit in it, by the way. I'll just admit that about myself. Who do they play after the suspension? Baltimore. Deshaun versus Lamar. You don't think that's going to get hyped up like the first meeting between these two guys as division rivals and arguably the best two teams in the AFC North? That's going to be a storyline, and it's, I mean, it grosses me out to talk about it, but that's okay. just the reality of it. But can we answer the question? How should the Browns feel? Well, should. I mean, we should would go back to before this ever even became a real conversation. But that's my point, is that I would hope that what they went through with Deshaun Watson, for all that it has transpired, to your point, underlying, that, look, when we simply looked at them getting Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, we were all like, wow, they finally, they might finally have one. They might have finally have one. And then this entire story that came with him undermined all of that. I'm sorry, but it's really hard for me to go back to, oh, you know what? They got a really good quarterback. Might be the best quarterback they've ever had in umpteen years. Mm-hmm. And not consider, like, the, uh, to your point, the Browns have always... Could you uh, take the right approach to this, which is not to simply judge this situation based on the player that you're getting, but the person, and take responsible action as a result? But what does that look like? Because here's what I have to explore now as we sit on this desk, and I just love the thoughts and the conversation. You continue to say it's gross. Um, we talk about, well, the Browns have to... Uh, acknowledge and examine further the person. And I'm sitting here thinking, how should the Browns feel? If no one else stands behind Deshaun, because no one else in theory has any ties to Deshaun, the Browns have to. They got 250 million reasons to, but along with 250 million reasons to, they also hand-selected to inherit Deshaun, adopt Deshaun. But I know in talking to parents, my own, Your child might say, hey, I didn't do it. It don't matter how much overwhelming evidence there is. If your child say they didn't do it, you probably believe in your child. If the Browns shouldn't feel happy that Deshaun Watson only got six games, that's when I'm coming to the point of then nobody will. Because it's not how should Emmanuel feel. It's not how should Joy feel. It's not how should Dave feel. It's not how should Slick feel. The Browns, they're sitting there thinking to themselves, well, to some degree, they probably already believe what Deshaun was saying. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded for him. Or they probably, be- they probably convinced their- themselves to believe him, right? Like, even if you know he might not be believable, we're just going to turn a blind eye. 
If you're sitting there with the Browns right now, you already wanted to believe him, and now he's only getting six games. You almost feel like, huh, thankfully, now this is all resolved. We can move forward. I see you wrestling with that. Yeah, because, first of all, when it comes to my kids, it's their track record, okay? Mm. When they say something happened, I didn't do it, I want to know what transpired. Because, look, anytime there's a situation and you're part of it, somehow, some way, you were part of the situation. There's no getting around that. And... So it's, do they have a track record? Do I have a reason to believe what they say? Now, it ha- so happens with my kids, they've been very trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Same, when, with, same with Deshaun prior to this, however. You get okay. to that dilemma. See, but do the Browns have that track record with him? You're talking about, like, he may have had that track record with the Houston Texans or with Clemson or, with, like, with other people. But does he have that? It's with him coming in, and then we have a situation, and I need to know... Exactly. The burden of proof was on me to prove (laughs) that I wasn't the one that was uh, causing the trouble. And if there was overwhelming evidence that it was me, I was definitely not getting the benefit of the doubt. Did that have anything to do with track record? uh, It did. (laughs) did. So you're the bad kid. It did, which is why she didn't bother asking too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line. But I don't think the Browns do care at all. Let's we we can't repaint the picture here. The Browns knew what they were getting into with Deshaun when they signed him. This wasn't like they signed Deshaun Watson and then all the cases happened. They signed him with these civil cases in play. That was the timeline. That's why there was outrage when he was signed, and that's why they structured the contract the way that they did. Mm -hmm. His contract was supposed to break the market because if you can give Deshaun Watson $250 million guaranteed with 20 open civil sexual misconduct lawsuits, what's Lamar Jackson going to ask for? What's Kyler Murray going to ask for? What's Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow going to ask for who don't have these civil cases by the dozens lined up. So let's, no passes for the Browns on this. They absolutely knew what they were getting into with Deshaun Watson and these civil cases. There were more that came out. Once you reach the point of 20, how do you not expect them to be more? I certainly did, and I have no ties to the situation. So the Browns are not gonna, they knew, they did this on purpose. This was their intent, was to bring Deshaun Watson in solely and only for his talent after this, because this is our job. And they signed up for every single thing that has happened. And they won in this situation because he only got six games. The other thing, the thing you said that bothered me, Acho, and it's, it's in Sue Robinson's report, by the way, is the idea of like a first time offender. And I, Deshaun Watson had a sterling reputation in Houston. He did things for the community. That doesn't sit with me. First time offenders, like a choir boy who's never had anything happen and then Gets in a, somebody says the wrong thing at the bar and he gets in a fight. It's the only time that's ever happened. 30 of these things. 66 different masseuses. This is systemic. And maybe we found out about it all at once. But literally in the report, it says a pattern, a pattern of egregious behavior. That's not first time. The word pattern is right there for you. So I, I don't assign the same benefit of the doubt to like a guy that has always been a class act. And then you're like, well, this is a one time thing. I think it's completely different. Pattern. A pattern of behavior. But don't you think that prior to which would have been 2020, Deshaun Watson had had that clean pattern of behavior? He did. Clemson through. No, absolutely. That and that's totally fair. But again, 
a systemic pattern of bad behavior is not the same thing as saying, well, this is the first time he's ever gotten in trouble. I don't think those are the two. Uh, those are not the same thing. They so, are not the same uh, thing. So then the, the numbers matter in this situation. One person, one time, then we're having a different conversation. Sure, and, and, and you can argue that we should, we should not do that still. But the numbers are in the dozens. So we're past the, the first time offender situation. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, well, he was, obviously, he was an upstanding citizen up until 2020. Because did we know about all of this up until when? No, we found out literally a year ago. Yeah. So there was a full period of time in which he was operating this way that we had no idea that Deshaun Watson was behaving this way. So it makes me think, and maybe this is the father coming out in me, like, okay, so how far back, like, go. what else has happened that we exactly. don't know about? Because they were obviously able to cover this up. He was able to cover up this behavior, systemic, for this period of time. Who knows? I'm not saying there was, but now it raises the question of doubt. Because, again, I just, look, 66, like, what are we doing here? Like, what? I don't know. Dumb. That's what we're doing. What we're doing is it's, it's dumb. Like, there's, there's no, literally no excuse, no rationale for 66 different massage therapists in a 17-month span. Literally 3.8 different therapists. Yeah. It, it, it's just stupid. Like, I won't even try to boggle my mind with it. Like, that is how irrational it is. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see if the NFL decides to appeal and try to extend it. I agree with Joy. I don't think they will. I think everybody just, most importantly, the women, it's time to move forward. But it will be very fascinating. Patrick Mahomes, he didn't miss words when talking about the criticism for black quarterbacks. We'll tell you exactly what we think of his comments. That's next. Speak for yourself. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, both former NFL MVPs, but they've also both received criticism this offseason. But that's not it, y'all. Kyler Murray's new contract had an independent study clause, which we talked about, and that was removed after the details came public. That was also met with backlash. So star quarterback Patrick Mahomes was asked recently about all of the comments. Y'all take a listen. I mean, obviously, uh, the black quarterback has had a battle to be in this position that we are, to have this many guys in the league playing. And I think every day we're proving that uh, we should have been playing the whole time. We've got guys that think think uh, just as well as they can use their athleticism. And so uh, it, it always is weird when you see guys like me, Lamar, Kyler, kind of get that on them and other guys don't. But at the same time, we're going to go out there and prove ourselves every day to show that we can be some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mm. I loved Patrick Mahomes' comments. I loved them because Patrick Mahomes understands he's walking an incredibly tight rope. Mm -hmm. So many people are waiting for him to try to use race as a crutch. And instead, what Patrick Mahomes said is we are going to go out there each and every day and prove ourselves. But let's just level with some facts. Everything Patrick Mahomes said was fair and accurate because oftentimes outliers and black quarterbacks are still outliers in the National Football League. Outliers have to prove themselves to the norm. Think about the short quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Kyler Murray, have to prove themselves to the norm. Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, Lamar Jackson, those quarterbacks that are proficient at running, have to prove themselves to the norm of the statuesque quarterbacks, the black quarterbacks. Only three have won Super Bowls. Russell Wilson, Doug Williams, 
Patrick Mahomes, outliers have to continually and constantly prove themselves to the norm, the norm being the white quarterback. But I love that Patrick Mahomes simply stated facts and said that he continues to prove himself instead of trying to use it as a crutch. I love his comments. Joy, what do you make of Patrick Mahomes' comments? I think they're completely fair. He's, he's being honest. And obviously this is building on not just the Kyler Murray situation, but the anonymous quotes the worst. From the defensive coach that said that Patrick Mahomes plays street ball and that he doesn't care if Lamar Jackson won 12 MVPs, he still wouldn't be a one as a quarterback. Which, by the way, if Lamar Jackson wins 12 MVPs as an NFL quarterback, nothing any NFL quarterback has ever done matters anymore. He is the standard for anything that is excellent in the league. So to say that it wouldn't matter, whatever you thought a quarterback was before that is irrelevant. It is now whatever Lamar Jackson is. So we're reacting to these really outrageous statements about Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Of course, black quarterbacks are critiqued differently. And what he's talking about and what is inferred in these athleticism comments is that all black quarterbacks offer is their athleticism. They don't offer the pocket presence. They don't offer the leadership. They don't offer the, uh, the, the, the hours studying, the Peyton Manning-esque, Tom Brady-esque intellectual. So when these quote-unquote backhanded compliments of, well, you know, he plays street ball, we admire him for his unbelievable throws, Lamar Jackson, unbelievable athlete. Yes, and league MVP. Mm -hmm. Both of these men have won a league MVP. That's pretty difficult to do. Aaron Rodgers has won two of them, and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have won the other two in the last four years. It's not like they both just walked off a cliff. What these are are called microaggressions, and they're very irritating. Anytime you're around someone who's passive aggressive, what is your mood? Personally, I get a little violent. Say what you need to say, my guy. Say what you're trying to say. Why are you running around this issue? Say what you got to say. Say it with your chest. Why are you being scared? It's microaggressions. They're very frustrating because they are backhanded compliments. They, re they present as a compliment, but they're really a backhanded insult. So athletic. But Patrick Mahomes, you know, he defaults to street ball. Where is the street ball football league? I've been watching football my whole life. I have never once seen. Where is the Rucker Park for football? Football is an organized sport. You need pads, coaches, you need lines, you need all kinds of stuff. Don't talk to me about flag football. He just wanted to say the word street in association with Patrick Mahomes. I see what you're doing. I see where you're going. So, yes, it is a disservice to black quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, to talk about just how athletic they are all the time because it infers that's all they have to offer. Very strong. Dave, where do you stand on Patrick Mahomes' comments? I think which we all owe a debt of gratitude to Mike Sando from The Athletic who did this piece and gave us all of this material to talk about. But um, Joy's absolutely right. And the quote I should read, I don't know, he kicks your butt anyway? <laughs> like, like, is it, like, this defensive coordinator gets a zero for self-awareness. Like, these are quarterbacks that absolutely nobody has a consistent answer for. Like, remember, we spent two months, all of these talk shows, everybody, for September and October, 
was like, Patrick Mahomes has been figured out. The Chiefs keep turning the ball over. And then he took him to the AFC title game again. He's never not played in the AFC title game as a starter. The one time he didn't do it was when he was the rookie sitting behind Alex Smith. Maybe you should shut up about criticizing Patrick Mahomes until somebody else is able to figure him out on a, cons- uh, a more consistent basis. He's absolutely right. And, you know, I- I'm a guy, I covered the NFL draft in the offseason. That's kind of what I revert to when the Cowboys are out of season. You see it every year. Malik Willis, as recently as this year, Lamar Jackson got a ton of it when he was in the draft cycle. You'd never hear it about white quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's a consistent thing from year to year. And it's usually, to y'all's point, it's usually anonymous people saying it. I have to point out that only a writer would give a shout out to another writer. <laughs> <laughs> look out for one of my own, you know? Show, absolutely. And Joy, you need to let me know exactly what it is that sets you off because uh, based on... Yeah, just, it's, you know, say what you need to say. Speak okay, for yourself. Right. <laughs> I, will, I will be direct with you always. Uh, I appreciate uh, the way that Patrick Mahomes approached this question because I think it's really important to be very fake the line of, see, this is proof that this is racist or that the mm-hmm. NFL is racist. Then it's really easy for people who disagree to dismiss it out of hand and say, you're exaggerating the situation and what he got specific about because and and look i'm colored by this because i disagree with you i do i think all quarterbacks are critiqued the same um i came in uh, not to date myself but i i started my career the start of my career i was covering the 49ers when steve young was there i heard this exact same criticism with him in terms of being a scrambling quarterback it's not effective you got to stay in the pocket that was the the knock on him and certainly we've seen other quarterbacks, white quarterbacks in recent, recently, be criticized. Josh Allen, not that long ago, was being called trash by name. And Baker Mayfield and the way he's been viewed over the last year. So it happens. What I appreciate is that Patrick was very specific in how that uh, in, in the way it is colored, it is, oh, he's not thinking or the work ethic with a Kyler Murray that those are the things that are said because you could make the same thing, make the same accusations about Josh Allen or when I heard the criticism about Steve Young, it wasn't his intelligence. It wasn't that he's not seeing the field or interpreting the field or doing the work to be able to diagnose it. It was, oh, we just can't have him playing that way. It's just, it's a little too hectic for everybody. The specific, what I hear, and it's that, that, like that tone that you hear and you're like, wait a minute, that, that sounds really familiar. And I don't mm-hmm. know that it necessarily applies to these guys. That's what I think Patrick Mahomes is talking about. And that is very much legitimate. I will say this, though. Like, knowing all the, the personnel that I talk to in the NBA, like, you're always going to have that defensive coordinator. Like, you're always going to have that old school, like, outdated thinking, whatever it might be. I take some solace by the fact that in the piece that was written, the vast majority were saying, no, are you kidding me? You're, gonna, you're not going to judge Patrick Mahomes that way. Yeah, I, I think about three words, causation, correlation, or coincidence. Causation, correlation, or coincidence. Is it the causation of these quarterbacks being black that is leading to um, the negative comments? Is there a correlation between the quarterbacks being black that's leading to the negative comments? Or is there a coincidence? The problem is, and the reality is, racism of black quarterbacks, that we might look at something coincidental and not look at it as a correlation or causation, if you will. I personally think that there is still a different standard for the white quarterback and the black quarterback. I always say, don't confuse excellence with equality. 
We got Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. We got Russell Wilson. We got Patrick Mahomes. We got Lamar Jackson. Excellent, 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 excellent. But don't ever think that just because you have some that are excellent that the playing field for assessment is equal. Coming up, the Cowboys. Oh, they're excellent, as he says it comes down to cashing them checks because they worth a whole lot of money. But we'll tell you if Jerry Jones is more of a blessing or a curse for America's team. That's next. Speak for yourself. Don't go anywhere. You know what they say, everything is bigger in Texas. And that's definitely true when it comes to the Cowboys. They were named by Sportico as the most valuable franchise across all sports. Coming in, it's keep in mind, Jerry Jones squad, well, they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 1995 season when I was just five years old in Dallas, Texas. I'm back with David Hellman, Cowboys Inside. You've been covering the team how long? Ten years? My tenth year. Ten years. God, Ten dog, minutes. you get no. Okay, yeah. I can't keep talking without my rock. Let me get my rock. Let me get my rock. Thank you. Okay, now we got to talk about Jerry Jones. He's been with the Cowboys since 89, if I'm not mistaken. Cowboys work. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since 95. Is Jerry Jones more a blessing or a curse to the organization? I love you teed this up for me on my first day. Just get ready to talk about the Cowboys. I, th I mean, the answer can be both, right? And look, you can set your watch to this article coming out. It happens every <laughs> single year. The billions just goes a little bit higher. I think it was like 4.9 when I first started. Now we're up into the sevens. The guy knows business. The Cowboys were hemorrhaging money when he took over the team. Winning three Super Bowls has a big hand in that. But I mean, Jerry Jones deserves a ton of credit as a marketer, as a guy who has helped the NFL also helped the Cowboys make a ton of money, stay relevant. Honestly, the fact that they are still as visible and as important as they are after 26 years of nothing to show for it is an accomplishment unto itself. Does that make Cowboy fans feel any better? Absolutely not. And this is when I realized this is when my jaw kind of hit the floor. Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl two years ago. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the last teams. There's three teams in the NFC that haven't been to at least two NFC title games since that 95 season. Washington. Washington. Detroit. Detroit. Cowboys. Dallas. What do we associate Washington and Detroit with? Ineptitude? Yeah. Absolute, just absolute abject failure? I don't think the Cowboys are an abject failure, but at some point, when you're keeping that kind of company for that amount of time, the results speak for themselves. What Bill Parcells said, your record is what it, what it says you are. I will say this, though. Jerry Jones is a blessing to no one but himself. $7.6 billion they are worth. But Dak's not worth that. Zeke's not worth that. CD's not worth that. Nor are they actually seeing any of that money. The only person that's seeing any of that $7.6 billion is ultimately somebody with the last name of Jones and a specific somebody with the last name of Jones. So Jerry Jones, I think, has realized, bro, you can't serve both masters. At least you and I have realized it. We used to work together in Dallas at the Star. When you pull mm -hmm. into the Star, you notice one thing. Chandeliers, a million dollars worth of chandeliers as soon as you walk into the Cowboys practice facility. That ain't helping them win no games. It's helping people come in for tours. It's helping raise the Cowboys brand. It's helping raise the Cowboys dollars. But what I've noticed was this. When the Cowboys were winning Super Bowls, they were worth roughly $340 million. Now the Cowboys have not won since, and they're worth roughly $7.6 billion. It's great for Jerry, but I don't think it's great for the boys. Joy Taylor, we need your opinion on this one. Is Jerry Jones more of a blessing or a curse for the Cowboys? Oh, Jerry's a blessing. 
I mean, Dave is right. You can set your watch to this article coming out. They're the biggest brand because as you guys just mentioned so eloquently, they don't win in the postseason. I think the Cowboys are fascinating. They're the ultimate peaked in high school and still riding it out. They have won three playoff games in 26 years. If this was any other organization, we would not even speak of them. We would not even mention them. We certainly wouldn't talk about them being contenders. We wouldn't debate how much they should pay their quarterback for months on end. We wouldn't be concerned about their running back's contract or anything else that goes on with them because they don't perform in the postseason. So the fact that they are this relevant for as long as they are is a testament to Jerry Jones. I always find brands to be really fascinating, the study of brands, how people can create these massive brands that generate all of this revenue, particularly built on something that you can't really quantify. Mm. The Kardashians, for example, nobody can say what they do, but they're worth billions of dollars. It doesn't matter what they do. They're worth billions of dollars. Now, I'm not comparing directly the Cowboys to the Kardashians, but uh, three playoffs wins in 26 years. It's not, it's not great. There was a time when the Cowboys were the standard. That has not been the case. Now, Jerry is the consistent fiber from those championship years until now. So he can obviously be accredited for the blessing of them being the biggest brand. And I would disagree. Dak got paid what he got paid because Jerry makes that money. 90 million a for lot Zeke. Of, yeah, a lot of people have been paid. That's not enough to do with the 7.6 million. Yeah, no, 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 you got to have that money in the account. It. You've got to have the it. money in the account to yeah. give that guaranteed money. And Jerry is an is a incredible ambassador for the, the NFL. He is a big reason why the NFL is back in Los Angeles. He was a big reason why they get the branding deals that they do. So I can give Jerry a lot of credit. But I actually feel, because of the consistency in the losing in the postseason, because obviously, unless your standard is winning, it has to do with the coaching. Because we know that Jerry has a specific type of coach that he likes. Jimmy Johnson, pretty powerful guy. Bill Parcells, pretty powerful guy. Other than that, you look at the coaches that are there, they default to Jerry, and that has produced three playoff wins in 26 years. Slick, you was giving me a look. I am so disappointed in you. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I've appreciated about you is that as much as you have accomplished and as far as you've come and how you've blown up, you've always expressed this sense of gratitude and appreciation for how far you've come and what you have. Of I'm grateful. How often do you talk about Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys on this very show? How much has Jerry Jones given you? And what have you given Jerry Jones? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I gave him a great show on Twitter. Oh. For a couple years, yeah. A couple, yeah. couple years of, okay, of web yes. hits, yeah. For, for, those, for those 200 people. So for you to suggest... That Jerry Jones is all about Jerry Jones. Jerry <sighs> Jones has been very generous to you. He has been very generous to all of us. Look, <laughs> Jerry Jones, the owner, is a blessing. Jerry Jones, the shadow GM, is a curse. I would dare say that Jerry Jones is probably, I'm going to guess, Dave, you would know better than me, has been a bless, or a, a, rather a curse to the Dallas Cowboys fans. Because they have been in this purgatory forever. But to the rest of us, an absolute blessing. Because the Dallas Cowboys are still regarded, in spite of all this futility, are still, we, we think of the, the mindset is they're, they're, they're like the Yankees, yep. right? Yep. They're the Yankees of football. The Yankees have won five World Series over the last 30 years. 
How many Super Bowls have the Cowboys won? Scudoosh. Here's the thing, though, Slip. Here is here's a problem with, I believe, all of the thoughts on this set outside of mine. Um, you all are regarding success at a higher degree than significance. I don't make that mistake what? in life. In life, I'm more focused on significance than success. Everything that you all are talking about is hot air balloon statistics. Well, think about how we regard the Dallas Cowboys. If they won, we'd probably regard them pretty high, too. So, sure, we still regard them, even though they sorry. I use sorry in quotes. Sorry saying they haven't won, been to a Super Bowl since 95. But if they won, we wouldn't have to talk about, well, we regard them even though they're bad. We would just say we regard them because they're good. You all standards for the Cowboys have been taken so low that you look at such a minimalistic accomplishment and say, well, look at what Jerry Jones has done for us. Which, but that, that's the wild thing. And, and uh, Rick, I think you make a great point. There's two ways to look at this as a reporter, yeah. as a personality, yes. somebody who gets paid to do this. Blessing. Thank like you. It, the, the Cowboys Thank are good you. for business. Why are we doing a segment about them? Why, like, honestly, why? They're yeah. not really considered in the like small category of like true contenders. They're just the Dallas Cowboys. And the fact that they're still that relevant after 20, it's amazing. Like it is a, it is a stroke of genius on Jerry Jones part that we got, you know, we got CD and Dak and Zeke all, all up on the big board. Like no other team would command this type of attention after this little success. It's, it's incredible. That is incredible. We're not now, doing a segment on Washington, the Lions, absolutely the not. Vikings, and they have we the haven't really appearances. We haven't talked about any teams that are actually going to contend for a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go a little further. Please do. Who do, we, who do we give the responsibility for this amazing thing that the Dallas Cowboys do not win and have not won, and yet we are still fascinated by them? Who is the number one reason for that? Mr. Jerry Jones. There's only one guy, and that is Jerry Jones. And that is the person that you find to be, what, selfish and just not I'm contributing? Simply, look, glass half empty, glass half full. Y'all are looking at the pockets being full. I'm looking at the rings being empty. Okay, well, Final let me, let me it's the other side of that. And, you know, I, I got to speak to my Cowboy fans, my, my Cowboy Twitter family. They'd be mad at me if I didn't point this out. None of that means jack to any of them. And you're right. With each passing year... It's more of a curse. It is, why did I raise my kid into this miserable life of everyone hating us and us never winning? Why, because my uncle loved this team, why am I living in this purgatory? They're getting, like, they're fed up, and rightfully so. It's been a quarter century, mm. and so I blame no Cowboy fan if they feel as if it's a curse. Mm. Again, what we think, right. we, don't, we don't care who wins and loses the games. That's not our job. They live and die with this team, and they are miserable. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that is worth pointing out as well. Too much dying at the hands of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys being worth $7.6 billion. That's all I got to say. Gold, Coming up, Jerry. Lamar Jackson. Gold. He ain't got to a billion, but he is trying to sign a dotted line and get him some millions. He's in line for a big payday. But who has more power in the negotiations? Is it the Baltimore Ravens or superstar former NFL MVP Lamar Jackson? That's next. Speak for yourself. Lamar Jackson said recently that he expects to be with the Ravens for his entire career, but he has not put pen to paper yet on what is expected to be a massive contract extension. Lamar's at training camp and said, quote, I want to win at the end of the day. I just want to be great, close quote. So there's a little bit of a power struggle here. Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. But Joy, who has more power in negotiations? Is it the Ravens or Lamar? I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson in this situation. He is the future of the organization. He's a league MVP. 
He saved Harbaugh's job. We know that. They had a down year last year, mostly due to injury, but we know what Lamar Jackson is, despite the anonymous quotes from the <laughs> random defensive coordinator. We're not talking about the next 15 years. Every time Lamar Jackson's name comes up, every time Kyler Murray's name comes up in these conversations, well, he's not going to be able to run like this forever. If you take away his running, what is he? If you take the filling out of a pie, it's crust. Lamar Jackson is crust excellent. Is good, uh, you ain't going to sit down to crust a warm mash. plate of crust, Emmanuel. <laughs> so crust this time, it, is, it is an addition to the pie. The filling is important. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is great. He is the future of the organization. You don't need to worry about 15 years from now. You worry about the next five years. And right now, there is no replacement for Lamar mm. Jackson. So he is in the power position. That said... If I was Lamar Jackson, I would want to get a deal done before the season because I don't like betting on yourself in this position. Mm -hmm. We know how quickly injuries can change these things around. It's his prerogative, obviously, but he's in the power position right now. You preaching, but I think I'm walking out your church, Joy, because big bank takes little bank. Mm. And the Ravens, they got big bank. I think the Ravens have more power in the negotiations. You might be there for the filling, but your boy there for the crust. Because sometimes so when weird, I get my pot, bruh, peach cobbler Thanksgiving, it's the crust. Nobody this eats mat. Nobody pie eat for the pie crust. For the crust. Okay, look, I don't know what pies y'all be eating, right. but your boy. I, I'm enjoying pizza, working pizza with Pizza the same thing? Here is, here is, no, 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 pizza not at all. But here's my point. When you want to talk about the crust of the Baltimore Ravens winning Super Bowls, I would submit that their defense has typically been the filling. Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, T. Sizzle, amongst era, others. Yes. For sure. Well, Trent Dilfer was clearly just a crust and got himself a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco, clearly just a crust, and got himself a Super Bowl. Remember, Joe Flacco, 4-0 in route to the Super Bowl, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. So I'm just saying the Ravens could be cocky enough because coaches, as you know, are far more cocky than players. General managers, as you know, are the most cocky of them all. The Ravens could be arrogant enough to say, hey, Lamar, you be balling individually, but we've won Super Bowls with Dofer and Flacco. You think we need you? You think we need you? And we won with Flacco just 10 years ago? I say just, but all that to say, I think the Ravens in the power position, because Big Bank takes Little Bank, and the Ravens have won with quarterbacks of significantly lesser talent than Lamar Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens have no power at all. They have none. I've covered Dak Prescott wow. for the last five years. Yeah. Dak Prescott, and Joy, you, you make a decent point. Dak bet on himself not to get hurt, and he did anyway. <laughs> and and still then got he paid. got still everything paid. he wanted. He yeah. even got a no-tag clause in his new deal. And that was after two years of contentious debate about what he was worth. Should he get this much? Should he be a $40 million guy? Guess what? Lamar Jackson has a way better resume than Dak. And Dak's my guy. I'm a Dak apologist. Lamar Jackson, 37-12? His, and, and just for all the people that talk about his ability as a runner, his career touchdown-interception ratio is just below 3-1. to one. Like, my guy can sling the rock. Mm -hmm. he, he's not even 26 years old yet. He is absolutely going to break the bank. The only power the Ravens have is whether or not they want to franchise tag him. Mm -hmm. And even then, with the deals that have come in from Mahomes, Kyler, Dak, that number is going to be up near 40, if not above it. If mm -hmm. you want to pay him $40 million to be your quarterback for a year, go for it. But he's getting money. It's just a matter of who's going to give it to him. They have no power 
at all. They pay him now or they pay him more later. Those are the two options. Okay, I don't want to revisit our previous segment with Jerry Jones, but I'm not qualifying or judging what situation, and particularly when it comes to a player that he likes, that he's enamored with. So that was one of the advantages that Dak Prescott had in spite of everything. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens have all of the power because ultimately, and this this is part of my NBA orientation, like the leverage that they have, they've had this last pick in the first round for four years and he's given them an MVP. What are they paying him? Peanuts relative. Mm, peanuts. Right? Not the good ones either. They have another season with him this year. And then they can franchise tag him for two more years. They can get seven seasons of Lamar Jackson, who uh, the last pick of the first round. And yes, they were going to pay the franchise tag, and that number keep, continues to go up. But is that what really what Lamar Jackson wants? Mm. Does he want to go through that? I know it's paid off for some quarterbacks down the line, but that's a little bit different in terms of what Lamar Jackson is and what he's worth and the way that he plays. And it is the Baltimore Ravens who generally don't franchise tag players. I mean, they, I think there's been two in recent, in recent history that they franchise tagged. So I just don't see where they look. We can continue to employ you, Lamar, for the next three years. We can get seven seasons out of you at our price, at what we want. I, it's really hard for me to ca- make a case that Lamar Jackson is, is in the driver's seat. They're so incredibly fascinating. You say Lamar has all the power. You say the Ravens have all the power. I just can't wait to see who wins the power struggle. Coming up, Debo Samuel, he won his power struggle, got the bag, along with so many other receivers. But we're going to tell you if paying receivers big money is a problem. That's next on Tell Me Why I'm Wrong. It's Speak for Yourself. Welcome back to Speak for Yourself. It's time for my least favorite, favorite segment of the day. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm going to make a bold statement and everyone gets a chance to tell me why I'm wrong. Case in point, Debo Samuel signed a massive three-year extension worth nearly $74 million. Keep in mind, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, all receivers who have signed major deals this offseason. Y'all know Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, amongst others. Here's my problem. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to pay receivers huge money. The most talented receivers that have ever played the game of football. Randy Moss didn't win Super Bowl. Terrell Owens didn't win Super Bowl. Calvin Johnson didn't win Super Bowl. So is it imperative to have a megastar receiver to win a Super Bowl? History simply says it's not. I think the trend of paying receivers big money, not smart. Joy, tell me why I'm wrong. Um, you're very wrong. The greatest receiver, Jerry Rice, has a few of those. Michael Irvin. Uh, we can go on and on at the teams that did have all-time great receivers, and they won Super Bowls. But I don't even want to really talk about those guys because in today's era of football, which is what we need to focus on with these deals, you absolutely should be paying a top receiver top money. You can't change all of the rules to benefit the offense, protect the quarterback, and then not have the dependent positions that those quarterbacks need to make big money. This isn't going to be a trend where everyone is going to make these huge contracts and get these huge deals. But the best, most reliable, most consistent positions that put up scoring in an offensive league where all of the new rules benefit the offense, yes, those positions should be paid. Quarterbacks are going to get huge money. Wide receivers are going to get huge money. 
consistent offensive linemen, left tackles are going to get huge money. And then on the other side of the ball, whoever can get to the other team's quarterback is going to get huge money. And that is a reflection of the current era that we are in. Not all wide receivers are going to get this crazy money, but consistent receivers that are at the top of the league absolutely should be paid. And this will continue. Mm, Well, next up. Kevin Durant, don't think we got forgot about you on this huge football day because just a while ago you wanted out of Brooklyn after signing with four years left on your deal. Well, right now, he's still a net. And I think this offseason has taken a huge hit on his legacy. Brooklyn pays you five years, five, rather a five-year deal, multiple millions of dollars, and you want out a year into that deal? Huge problem. I think this all. You're wrong, Acho, because there seems to be uh, plenty of reason for uh, for KD to want to move on. It's not as if there hasn't been a whole lot of controversy and guys wanting to leave and questions about coaching and management and everything else. So it makes perfect sense. And if you, I thought you were going to go and say that you know because of Steph Curry and what he demonstrated. Well, that somehow undermines what KD did when he was with the Warriors. What Steph is doing now is not a a judgment on what KD proved he could be when he was with the Warriors at that time. And when it comes to leaving teams and moving on in spite of whatever might be going on, it's not as if that's news with KD. So I don't know how we would be looking at KD any differently as a player or as a person as a result of this offseason. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not convinced, but I hear you. Moving on to Carolina, head coach Matt Rule of the Panthers said he, quote, couldn't be more pleased with Baker Mayfield so far in training camp. Panthers, five wins last season. Matt Rule had to fire his offensive coordinator. Joe Brady had to bring in Cam Newton in the middle of the season. But I say this. Baker Mayfield is going to be the savior for head coach Matt Rule's job going into year three with Matt Rule. Dave, tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. You're wrong, and it's it's not really Baker Mayfield's fault, in my opinion. Like, I think he'll be fine. He's healthy now. I think he'll have a decent season. I think the Panthers have the makings of a nice roster. They upgraded their offensive line. Maybe Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy. It's not so much Baker Mayfield. It's Panthers owner David Tepper, to be honest. We talked about Jerry Jones earlier in this show. He's always had this reputation as this fit outdated. Jerry hasn't been that guy in at least 15, 20 years. David Tepper seems like that guy. Like, I wrote it down just from the last two years. Since he bought the team, they've signed Teddy uh, Bridgewater, then traded him away. They traded for Sam Darnold. They're already out on him. They cut the best player in Panthers history, Cam Newton, then decided to bring him back. They drafted a quarterback this year. Like, nobody's even talking about Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback. And then they traded for Baker Mayfield. Like, these are all moves that reflect an ownership that has no idea what it wants or what's it doing. I think the Panthers need to have an amazing season if Matt Rule's not going to get fired. I don't think that's in the cards. It's not Baker Mayfield's fault. It's just the state of things in, in the front office in Carolina. Mm, Carolina, I believe in you. Well, at least Baker, I believe in you. Kind of. Coming up, speaking of quarterback controversy, Jimmy G, 49ers. His days appear to be numbered in the Bay, but we'll tell you if the Niners are making a mistake moving on from their quarterback. That's next. Speak for yourself. Let's move to the Bay Area. Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the Niners, said recently that it's Trey Lance's team now. Now, that falls in line with a report that Jimmy Garoppolo's agent has been in talks 
with the Giants on a potential trade. Slick Rick, I know you got your start in reporting covering the 49ers. You're a Bay Area guy through and through. Were the 49ers making a mistake moving on from Jimmy G? They are not. And it has less to do with my understanding of the 49ers and that situation and the relationship as much as what I know about relationships in general. When you have decided it's time to move on, mm. move on. Don't hang on because you need a date for the family Christmas party. Don't (laughs) hang on because you don't want to go on vacation alone. (laughs) Go ahead and make the move. Now, I would hope that they would uh, wait until they get the opportunity to trade Jimmy G for the most that they can get. There's no reason that they have to move him just for moving sake to get him out of the building. But the idea that they're moving on to Trey Lance at this point They need to find out what they have in Trey Lance. They've decided Jimmy G is not the answer. Go ahead and make that move. Huge mistake. Huge, huge, huge mistake for one of two reasons. The first reason being this. If you were going to move on from Jimmy G, move on from Jimmy G when his trade value is highest before the draft, before the quarterback reshuffling, before all of these teams finally realize who it is that they're going to start. You can move on from them. You know that quarterbacks can get big deals even coming off of surgery type of deals, particularly if it's not throwing shoulder. Second issue I have with moving on from Jimmy G. We've heard from inside and outside the locker room, Trey Lance is not ready just yet. No indictment on Trey Lance. Came into the league at 20, 21 years old. Played the fewest number of games I believe we've seen from a quarterback drafted that high. No indictment on Trey Lance at all whatsoever. But Jimmy G is one of the greatest winners in the history of the quarterback position as it pertains to winning percentage, I think it is incredibly foolish to move on right now, Dave. It feels weird to agree with Acho. I don't know if I like it, but <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, dude. Like, the time to do this was the spring, and, and Rick, you're right. He was hurt. It's bad timing for the 49ers, but what, what is the value of doing this right now? You are getting rid of a guy that's taken you to a Super Bowl, had the lead in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, and was a dropped interception away from getting to another one last year. You're just parting ways with that because some feelings might be hurt? No, 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 no. Like, now is the time to hold on to your assets. And 100%, I was going to say the same thing. When Patrick Mahomes was sitting behind Alex Smith, by November, December of that year, the whispers were starting to come out like, yo, this kid's good. Like, we might be all right. Haven't heard a peep. No no one? Haven't heard a peep about that with Trey Lance. Agreed. And so to send away a guy that has been through the wars and gotten you very far. Okay. I mean, how's that going to look in week five when Trey Lance is struggling and you're like, well, I guess whatever playoff aspirations we had are out the window. It doesn't matter because when they gave up three first round picks to get Trey Lance, Jimmy G was up out of there. We already knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time. You're Mm -hmm. not making that trade. Either you're admitting that you gave up a haul for a mistake or you're moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're not going to do that. They brought Trey Lance in for a reason, probably because Jimmy has missed 25 of 70 games. Thank you. Since he's been traded to the <laughs> Listen, 49ers. Yeah, are people Listen, salivating? Were they salivating I, to get Jimmy a, G? I'm a Jimmy G apologist. I agree with you. He's a winner. I think he's a starting quarterback in the league. I think they probably should have traded him when his value was higher. I can think, 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 think. You can want all you want. You can say you want and you deserve and all of these things. The market will tell you what you are. For sure. They don't need to be greedy for Jimmy Garoppolo. They have Trey Lance. They, the market is saying, ain't no market for Jimmy Garoppolo or he would be traded because no matter whether Trey Lance is ready or not, whether he is going to struggle or not, they traded three first-round picks to get Trey Lance. You so, can't keep Jimmy Garoppolo in the building and he doesn't have any more value with this particular team. Or you made the worst draft decision 
maybe in the history of the NFL. Mm, you know what they say, though, Joy. You buy low and you sell high. You bought Trey Lance very high, and now you're going to sell Jimmy Garoppolo very low. Makes no sense, not to me at least. Coming up, we got to give our final thoughts on the Deshaun Watson ruling. Remember, six-game suspension. Wasn't it up? Was it too light? That's next. Speak for yourself. Well, the news of the day, Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. Joy, the NFL has three days to file an appeal and extend the suspension should the NFL appeal it. I don't think that they should. They put this protocol in place for this specific reason, to have an independent arbiter look at the situation and give their opinion about what the punishment should be. The NFL is not a, a court of law. Now, they do have a responsibility to the public and fans to represent their league at, with a particular standard. But this has been a conversation for a long time, how these suspensions should be given out, who should be making the final decision. I personally feel there should be more people involved in the final decision, particularly when you're talking about subject matter like this. I think it should be a panel of people, a group of people uh, like Sue Robinson, someone that the NFLPA and the NFL agree on, but is rotated somewhat like a jury, if you will. I don't think it should be one person's decision, but I do not think that the NFL will get involved or should get involved in what she has determined is the, the punishment. I agree with you. I don't think the NFL will appeal it, nor do I think the NFL should appeal it at this junction in time. The Houston Texans have chosen to settle uh, 30 cases, I believe. Deshaun Watson and his camp have chosen to settle 20 cases. There are still four outstanding cases, I think, for the sake of several parties involved the judge has made a decision we will not all like the decision most will dislike the decision but the judge has made a decision nonetheless i do think it behooves um the nfl to go ahead and move forward final quick thought is there anything deshaun watson can do to remedy his name well it's going to be a process i think open accountability and real conversations about you know what happens and you know his regret in the situation i think would go very far well we will see the next step from here that's it for us we'll see you next time speak for yourself